You're on one side or the other of this thing right now. You're either absolutely deceived, and if you're not talking about what's happening in this world right now, if you're not talking about the antichrist spirit, if you're not talking about uh, the, grease, the skids being greased for the mark of the beast, if you're not talking about those things and all you wanna be is friendly, because you think that's what Christianity is, be as friendly as I possibly can, have, uh, make sure that I speak syrupy words to people, Lord of God, hallelujah, just tell five people Jesus loves them this morning. There's more to it than that. There, there's a lot more to it than that. There's spiritual warfare going on. So be there tonight if you can. It was kind of dead silent when I was talking about this. Maybe there's some uh, Alex Jones haters in here. I don't know. But, you know, it's a big platform. Believe me, if, if I am, which I probably will be, unfettered, you'll see. <laughs> you'll see what you always see coming out of me tonight at, at 5 o'clock. Amen. All right, now we've been talking about establishing our faith. I don't know, it's like week four, something like that on that. And then before that, it was things that are attacking our faith. This is where the Lord has led me. I pray over my sermons. I don't go to sermons.com. I pray over them. The Holy Ghost gives me the sermons. So we must need to establish our faith because that's what God keeps telling me to talk about. So we need to establish our faith. The one thing I want you to run from, although I want you to know that it's not inaccurate because it's actually backed up by the word of God, using, the, I just want you to, to think of faith differently in many, many scenarios or many situations or in a life application basis because many people think of faith as a noun. You know, I, whatever my faith tells me, I live according to my faith with nothing wrong with any of that, but faith is actually more, uh, more deep than that, more active than that, and if I were to use Matthew eleven twelve, more violent than that. Faith is, a, is more of a verb than it is a noun. So we need to establish, we're talking about establishing our faith, we need to stop using benign verbiage. You know, you know I, I'm a man of faith. What, what does that mean? You're a man of faith. I mean, what does that mean to you? You wear a white collar, uh, you wear on, on robes. Uh, you're a man of faith, what does that mean? And you hear many people, they actually hide behind it, who are not actually living in the faith, will say that they are people of faith. That's why we, what I'm talking about is we need to be more specific more action-based because otherwise we, we blend into the religious community. The people who do wear their collars backwards and have steeples and bells and stained glass windows that have absolutely no power and will do whatever the antichrist spirit tells them to do. And there are many churches that look like ours that will do everything the antichrist spirit tells them to do because their faith is actually not actionable. They just say, faith to them is just kind of a blanket term. I'm a person of faith. Well, what faith? Well, you know, I'm a Christian. What does that mean to disease? What, what does that mean to poverty? What does that mean to mental health? What does that mean to depression? Well, I'm just nice to you in the midst of disease. I'm sweet, I'm syrupy, I've got some bromimes that I'll tell you at any moment. 
to try to make you feel better. We're gonna bring you some meals, which by the way, none, there's nothing wrong with most of those things, but faith is way different than just being diet world, world without the sugar. It's way different than that. So I'm gonna try to espouse this with verbiage this morning. I don't know if I can do it or not, but faith needs to be more than a noun. Well, who are you? Well, you know, you see people, they win Grammys or Oscars or whatever, and they come up and they say, well, you know, I'm a man of faith, and they drop three F-bombs. That's really not a person of faith. That's a person of made-up faith. That's a person who believes in themselves and then lumps Jesus in with them. So what does faith actually mean? Because let's establish it. James chapter 2, 24 through 26. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So if we want to know what faith is, all we need to do is know what the Bible says. But most of the time, people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So they say that they're people of faith, but they can't actually define what that means. Faith in what? Faith in Jesus, which means what to this situation? Jesus wasn't simply just sort of a savior of the world. He was a savior individually. What was your problem? Jesus solved it. And that's why, listen, the church just basically offers for people a nicer version of the world. How boring is that? James 2, 24 through 26. And oftentimes, by the way, which I'll get into later, the church is actually meaner than the world. Why is the church meaner than the world? And I'll get into this more later, but it's actually because if you don't really receive the word of God, if you don't actually apply the word of God, if the word of God is not your faith, you're worse off at the end than you were at the beginning. At a second Peter chapter two, Verses 20 through 22. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. Of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to his vomit and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. They're worse off. Why are they worse off at the end than they were at the beginning? Because they're actually distracted. They're actually double-minded. They're pulled, they're pulled in two different ways. So they actually end up being sort of irritable. That's why a lot of times you'll see, listen, the meanest people, nastiest people I ever met were not in law enforcement. They were in this church. I'm not kidding you. I'm talking about the ones I arrested too. The nastiest, meanest most deceived people I've ever met were in church. Because they're actually double-minded people. Worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. James 2, 24 through 26. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Whoops! How many people have been preached exactly the opposite? It's not about works. It's not what it says here. It's not what it says. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is, is dead, so faith without works is dead also. 
Faith, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. That's James 2, 24 through 26. And then I tagged in James 2, 17 at the end of it. Faith, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So faith is not some sort of benign stand. Faith is not sort of a, a undefinable principle. It, it's, it applies to the specific. What is the need? What does faith say about the need? What does faith say about the situation regardless of need? What does faith say about that situation? It's not just, well, you know, we're people of faith, so we're just, you know, standing by to stand by. No, you, you should be taking action. Matthew eleven twelve, 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. That's talking about spiritual warfare. You take your victory by spiritual force. Does that sound benign to you? Who said, who said Matthew eleven twelve? 12? Who said it? See, faith is your reaction to grace. Grace, God did. Then he gave you your faith. Galatians chapter two, verse 20. Revelation chapter four, 14, 12 and 13. Then he gave you Jesus' faith and demands that you act in it. Specifically. Sometimes it's very specific. Sometimes it's very clear and easy, like no or yes. Whatever it is, it's very specific. So the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Does that sound benign to you? When we, when we have any sort of scenario in our life, our faith demands action. You may have to speak, lay hands on, not stand by and go, well, well you know what, we're, we're people of faith, so we're just believing you know, that God's gonna, God's gonna move here. How's he gonna move without you? You are his hands. You are his feet. How many of you can move without your body? Shout amen. How many of you can move without your body? Shout amen. You can't. You may not, you're like, God would never demean himself to rely on human beings. He did. You're his body. Ephesians chapter four, verse four. You are, there is one body. That's it. There is, there is no other way that he's going to move outside of his church on the whole. Does he move into, sometimes just move on the heart of people? Yes, but when it's put in your lap, he says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and you need to take it by force. What does the kingdom say about that situation? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what's the kingdom? In any scenario, what's the kingdom? Well, I'm depressed, what's the kingdom? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So the kingdom is soundness of mind. Well then take it by force. That's what you do. It's not just standing by and saying, hey, you know what, we're here for you. 
hey, you know what? I've got a, I've got a psychiatrist that's just fantastic. Everybody's this, everybody's dentist, everybody's doctor, everybody is the best. Oh, I just know the best. This person's the best. Why don't, you, why don't you bring them into the hands of Jesus? Why don't you deliver them into his hands? For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. There you go. So Facebook, don't ban me. I'm not talking about violence. I'm talking about spiritual violence. I'm not talking about physical violence at all. I'm talking about, I am talking about spiritual violence. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Does this sound benign to you? See, I struggle with actually defining benign and exemplifying benign because I am anything but benign. I should have brought a benign person up here and had them preach first so you know exactly what not to do. Because I have, a, I have difficulty even defining it because I never act in that way. I have lots of faults and lots of failures, but I never, I always take sides. I hate things because God hates things. I command, I command God because God commanded me to command him in Isaiah. That's the real faith. I tithe because it's seed, not because it's Pentecostal tradition. I give because it's seed and I expect a return. That's acting in faith. Well, we're people of faith. We tithe. tithe. What does that mean? How are, how are you going to explain that to a dying world? To a world that's being crushed by this economy that they need to jump out of and get into the kingdom of God's economy. How are you going to explain it to the world? Well, we're, just, you know, we're people of faith, so we tithe. What does that mean? That's 99.9% .9 of Christians. Oh, well, 99.9% .9 of Christians who tithe. Because only about 30% of the church tithes. That's the truth, by the way. It's not 30% is high. It's actually, way, it's actually lower than that on average. I don't know what our percentage is. I don't want to know. I don't check. If you don't tithe, Joe Biden's your financial king. True. Enjoy. Enjoy, enjoy the fruits of his harvest. The $12 bacon and $6 cartons of eggs. Enjoy it. I don't participate in that economy Amen. at all. See, but that's, that's applicable faith. That's faith put into action, not I'm simply just a man of faith. Well, I'm a Christian. What does that mean to this scenario? Otherwise, it's no good. Everywhere Jesus came, he actually put faith into action. Whatever it was, whatever was needed, he did. There was hungry people, what did he do? He fed them. If they were sick, he made them well. If they were blind, he gave them sight. That's how it worked. That's what we should be doing. But instead, we formed oftentimes, not at this church, but oftentimes we formed our own faith, which is simply diet world. Well, you know what? We're the world, just put the edge off. Who wants to be a rounded, dull corner? You're supposed to choose whether you're hot or whether you're cold. Choose this day whom you will serve. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. 
Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Every, that's Joshua 24, 15. And everybody only knows the very tail end of it. For most Christians, they need to pay attention to the first sentence. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord. A lot of times what I just said a moment ago seems evil to Christians. I command the Lord. He told me to command him. He commanded me to command him. So it seemed, that seems evil to them. So expecting something from this seed that you sow is considered to be selfish. Oh, you're one of those word of faith people. Yeah, that's right. That's what the word of God says. Be not deceived, God is not mocked for whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. So there's nothing wrong with obeying God's word. Every single piece of seed that I sow, I expect to harvest. I don't care what it is, whether it's me tithing to this church or whether it's giving an offering to another church or giving an offering to an individual, I expect to harvest. That's obedience. Not other Christians are like, well, you should never expect anything. That's not the Bible. So you have malformed faith. Your faith smells. Your faith stinks because it's not a Bible verse. Tell me, tell me, give me one Bible verse where you're not to expect anything in return. The God of a hundredfold. You're not supposed to expect anything. Well, you know, I'm just not selfish like you are. That's why you're poor. It's not that I'm selfish. It's just that I apply the word of God. I end up giving thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars away. And what do you end up giving? While you sit there with your platitude principles of poverty. I end up giving more than you do. But you're allegedly more virtuous. When you fed no one, supplied no one. See, because it's malformed faith. And malformed faith has its own harvest. You know what its own harvest is? Dung beetle, dung beetle time. And they are, they're a bunch of dung beetles. A lot of Christians, they're just a bunch of dung beetles rolling around their big giant pile of poop thinking that it's gold. Look how virtuous I am, I don't expect anything. Yeah, you expect nothing and you feed no one, you supply no one, you heal no one, you don't stand when it's time to stand. Why don't you, why don't you let your faith become the word of God? Some of you are barely hanging on. I'm looking at faces. I look at faces the entire time. I can't. Only ones who are spared for my face looking are the first four rows because I can't see you. But everybody else, I'm looking at you. And I know some of you are just barely hanging on to that purple seat right now. And you're going, you know what? I can't take this. You know why you can't take it? Stinky faith. You don't know what, you don't know Jesus. You have your own malformed idea of who Jesus is, but Jesus is actually quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Because Jesus is the word. A lot of you say there's Jesus in the Bible. There is no Jesus in the Bible. Jesus is the Bible. Jesus is the word. There's no discernible difference between the two. None. He is the word. If he says you're going to hell, you're going to hell. Because that's what the word says. If you're living in sin right now, well, nobody knows. Oh, that's gonna, yeah, that's gonna work with God. 
God doesn't, man looks at the outward appearance. First Samuel 16, seven, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He knows you're sinning. It's because you go behind locked doors and sin and make sure you close the blinds. God knows. And the man preaching to you is chief among sinners. I'm no longer a sinner, but I was chief among sinners. I understand. I'm not looking down on you. I'm telling you to stop hiding. Stop hiding like Biden. There is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Matthew 10, 26. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Who said all that? Who just who said, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's all Jesus, Matthew 10, 26 through 28. All Jesus. But does that seem evil to you? There's some people that does, some people that are watching. It's between two and 300 people that are watching right now. Does that seem evil? We had somebody right into the church. I don't know why people bothered. Listen, I'm just gonna tell you if you're watching, don't bother. Don't bother writing in your criticism. Some pastor's wife last week wrote into the church when I told everybody, if you're too lazy to come to the church on a rainy day, just shut off the service and just go ahead and make full commitment to forsaking the assembling of yourself. I mean, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If rain stops you from coming to church, you're gonna end up with a mark on your forehead anyway. So you might as well just turn the service off. And she goes, well, we were watching, we're, we're on sabbatical. Okay, first of all, you should never need to be on sabbatical. Why, well, listen, I have no problem with being on vacation and taking a vacation, although I never take vacations. If you ever notice, I, do, you ever, do you ever see me not here? I don't, I'm not a, I don't like vacations, so I rarely, I like them once I get there, but I hate it even going on them. So if you're on sabbatical, you're already off. Why are you so mentally distressed and depressed and so low mentally and so exhausted or whatever it is? How do you get exhausted being a pastor? You ever work for a living? This didn't work. I used to, I used to get on cops, I'd be like, well, you know, I was putting in all these hours. Hours doing what? I mean, you have, you know, police work is driving around in your car, and then moments of horror, <laughs> and then hours of driving, moments of horror. It's not so bad. All you gotta do is spend, like I used to, spend all of your summers pouring concrete. Putting down rebar that is so hot, it burns your hands when you're putting it down. Digging, digging footings by hand. Do that and you know what, everything else is easy in life. Well, Tom, we know you're busy, you're doing all this, you know, broadcasting and preaching and all that. It's, it's, it's absolutely nothing to me. So if you're a pastor and you need sabbatical, sabbatical from what? Well, we're just being abused by our people. Why are you allowing yourself to be abused? Listen, employ the word caboose 
and you will never be distressed again. Just tell them, the pastor, we, you know, could you take on some constructive criticism? Hey, you know what? Take your constructive criticism. Let me just demonstrate this to you. Do this right here and then shove it up your own caboose. Don't worry about your counseling sessions. You're like, Tom, don't you do counseling? Yeah, I do, I do counseling. But the thing is, I don't let it bother me. If they don't like it, oh well. Hey, um, you know, we're on, we're on the cusp of divorce. Oh really, who's committing adultery? No one, you can't get divorced. Amen. Counseling over. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, we just fell out of love. That's not a Bible verse. <clears throat> Divorce is nullified. Anything else? Um, hey, Pastor Tom, will you come to my three-year-old's birthday? No. Why do you need a sabbatical? So she wrote, she goes, we were so offended by what you said, we just went ahead and turned it off. Good, I'm glad you turned it off. You followed a command. Now you won't be so exhausted. <laughs> Go lay on the beach. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's pouring rain anyway. What else you got to do? <laughs> Amen. Faith is your reaction to what you have. What do you have? What do you have? From whom much is given, much is demanded. So what's the demands and what do you have? Oh, I don't know. Then you're not a person of faith. Stop saying you are. Say, go around and say, you know what, what I am. I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, divisions, and strife among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 through 3. You're carnal. So stop, stop saying anything else. Eh, you know what? I'm a baby Christian. I don't know where I stand on anything. Good. Perfect. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the problem is everyone's so puffed up and they call it love. You ever read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8? The characteristics of love, you know what one of those characteristics is? Not puffed up. All these loving, puffed up Christians with their virtue, with their masks on, with a Bible verse on it, and no longer a slave to fear. Which isn't a Bible verse, but it's applicable to Bible verses. Stop espousing faith you don't have. If you don't know the answer to it, shut up and don't answer it. I do it. Hey, Tom, do you know what to do in this situation? No, I have no idea. I'll try to find out. I have no idea. It probably helped for 25 years, 1992 to 2017. I answer police calls, and I'm looking at my police brethren in here. They know. There's oftentimes you go to a call, you're like, I don't know what to do with this. We have what was called a call clearing guide, and you go on this thing. Okay, what do I do with this, thing, this mess? And there's times that wasn't in there. So you get a group of people around you. In a multitude of counselors, there is safety. If you don't know, just say, I don't know. Stop being puffed up. There's nothing wrong with not knowing anything. You know, the word, you know how much I talk around Rodney Howard Brown? Nothing, never. I don't, spoke, I don't speak unless I'm spoken to. 
Tom, you're the biggest loudmouth we know. I know. I know I am. I'm just telling you, though, I don't know what he knows, so I keep my mouth shut. And when he asks me something, I answer it. I didn't go up when I, I met Alex Jones on, what day was it, Hope? Friday? Was it Friday? Friday. So I met Alex Jones on Friday. I didn't go up to Alex and say, hey, Alex, you know what? I see that you, know, you have 47,000 people live right now. That's not an exaggeration, by the way. It's even higher than that. So you have you know, 40 to 100,000 people live watching you right now. Um, hey, you know, I've got four to 500 and live. <laughs> Can you accept some constructive criticism? <laughs> Keep your mouth shut. If you don't know anything, sit and marinate and learn. This is some of you who are highly offended right now. You've already said I'm never coming back. What you should do is actually sit here under the word of God and find out if I'm actually right. Because all that you've heard this morning, you've heard more Bible verses, 1135, in the first 27 minutes of this sermon than you will hear in most churches in six months. Faith is applicable. Now, now what do you do oftentimes? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So what do you do in certain situations? Stop claiming things that are antithetical to the word. I'm getting old. Is that the word? You know there's no such thing as getting old according to the Bible? You should just have a switch that turns off at 120. I told my kids that's how I want to go. At 120, give me a big old birthday cake. Give me a birthday cake, and as I'm blowing it out, I'll just turn off. That's the way for me to die, is in a giant vat of chocolate frosting. That's the way for me to go. Eyesight, not weakened, strength not gone. Deuteronomy 34, 7, speaking of Moses, was 120 years old. You're like, Tom, why do you always preach about this? Because it's people, I hear people say it all the time. If you say something to me, it's probably gonna end up in a message. You can, you can be offended if you want. Nobody knows that I'm talking about you. But it's probably gonna end up in a message. Because I make note. Well, that was stupid. Let me put that down. You know, we're, getting, we're in our 70s now. We're getting old. That, okay, you're supposed to live to 120. If you're 70, you got, listen, you got 50 years to go. How do you think like that or not? I'm not saying that because we're living in Florida. I'm telling you that it's absolute. I'm saying this more for the 30-year-old than I am for the 70-year-old so that you don't get fooled into being old. What's this, what comes out of your mouth? Faith is actionable. It's not, it is not benign. It takes situations by force. Well, you know, we got diagnosed, they found, they found a tumor here. Take action. Where's the anointing oil? Where's the hands? Where's the fasting? That's faith. Not, well, you know, we're here for you. That's not faith. You're, you're a flute player and a crier. You'd be cleared out of the room, not welcomed in it. What's that do? 
I just take that thing right out of your hand and whoop. Like John Belushi in Animal House with the uh, guitar. Faith is actionable. What do you do? What situation are you in right now? Well, I tried it, it didn't work. Well, supplicate then. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Well, do it again then. And thank him for already being healed. Thank him for already winning. It's an action right now. Stop saying things. Some of us, listen, some of us, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. What's the next verse? A lot of you want big things, but you say nasty stuff. You say malformed faith phrases. A dream comes to, next verse. Next verse, after let your words be few, a dream comes through much activity. A fool's voice is known by as many words. Ecclesiastes 5, 2, and 3, if you're wondering. See, it's all Bible. All Bible, Bible, Bible. People, you know, people come up to me and they say, thank you for that message. It was great or whatever. And you know, most Christians would say, oh, you know, it's all God. I don't. Even though it is all God, I say, first of all, thank you very much. But it's Bible, Bible, Bible. Because the Bible is faith. Faith is hearing the word of God. Faith is taking action in the word of God. Whatever that action is, sometimes the action is to keep your mouth shut. Sometimes the action is to speak. But you never speak things that are antithetical to the word. Well, I'm not healed yet. That's not correct. You are already healed. You just haven't been able to receive it because of unbelief. Where do you get the unbelief from? From the Bible again. I have people come up to me and ask, you know what, I've been praying over this and it hasn't happened yet. Why do you think that is? Unbelief. I I can't believe anybody would not know that yet that comes to this church. It's unbelief. You're like, but I do believe. I know, just like like the father of, of the epileptic demonic boy. But what was his answer? I believe, help my unbelief. Everybody has got inherent unbelief. That's why you need to be saved. Whatever it is, it, there, is a, there is a faith action that's applicable to your situation. If you are offended, there is a faith action. What is the action? Why do you always talk about offense? Because offense is pretty much isolated to churches. Nobody, nobody gets offended and leaves their job. Well, you know, I was offended today, so I'm just gonna quit my $150,000 a year job because my boss didn't say hello to me this morning. Nobody just stops coming. So a lot of people, what, what's, what's actionable? You, you have some choices. What, what choices do you have? You, have Matt, you either say nothing, get over it, or you Matthew 18, 15 it. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault. Between thee and him alone. It's not called the prayer chain. And if he, if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained a brother. Go tell him. You want to tell me that I offended you this morning? Go ahead, tell me. Go ahead. You can. And I'll just look at you and go, all right, thank you. Have a good week. I don't know what to tell you. 
I get offended all the time. I get offended by you. I don't, know, I don't not show up because you offended me. So I have a choice if I'm offended. I can come tell you. I just keep my mouth shut and move on. You know, it's, you know what you do with people is just always know that it's going to change. It's going to change anyway. Why well, be offended? Well, they're just very staunchly against me. Well, yeah, that means they're staunchly for somebody else, and they'll turn on that person and come back to you. That's how it always is. Or they'll move on from both of you and go to somebody else. Whatever the scenario is, whether it's church or romance or friendship, people change all the time. I always expect people to tell me they're moving to Tennessee. That's everybody's, everybody in Florida, their secret heaven is Tennessee. And believe me, I'm not a hypocrite. I've tried to buy houses in Tennessee. I'm 0 for 5. I may at some point buy one up there myself, but I mean... People always, whether it's Tennessee or something else, oh, you know, we're moving or whatever. Well, that's people. They move. It happens. They go get another job. They go move near their parents. Whatever it is, that's how people are. There's no use in being offended by them. Why? If you're going to be offended by humanity, then you need to go ahead and worship a person. Go find the person that's, that's, that you're offended by. Get a nice picture of them. Go, go and hire a sculptor. Get a statue of them and burn incense to it. You can call that person, you know, Eshtorah if you'd like. There's no point in it. Move on. Doesn't do anything. So most Christians can't distinguish between because they have malformed faith. They don't, they don't know what they're looking at. They're absolutely blind. They're, they're perishing for lack of knowledge. They're where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Hosea 4.6, Proverbs 29.18. In this world, you need to have applicable faith. But you need to be able to distinguish between what is the spirit of the world and what is the spirit of God. What's the spirit of the world? You can always tell. How do you always tell? What's coming out about everything now? Lies. All lies. You had vaccine pimping whore, Peter Hotez. I don't know if you ever saw him. He was one of the ones just pimping vaccines. You know, like Tom, you shouldn't be uh, against uh, vaccines. I'm totally and completely am against them, just so you know. Usually clears out a couple people right there. See? <laughs> See how it works? Just mentioned vaccines. Bye-bye. <laughs> Not those two. They're turned to the right. I'm talking about the people turned to the left. <laughs> Notice how it always works. They actually turn to the right, and the other people turn to the left. <laughs> but what's come out about him is he's on, whether it's Scott Gottlieb, who's on the board of Pfizer, He's the one who made up six-foot distancing. He's on CNN all the time pimping vaccines. He's on the board of Pfizer. Scott Gottlieb was receiving money 
Pimpin vaccines from Anthony Fauci, sending it to the Wuhan Institute of Virology for gain-of-function research prior to, vac prior, to the, prior to the alpha variant of COVID. And then comes out and pimps vaccines. All the lies come out. That's how you spot the spirit of the world. When they say that a person is not a person because they're unborn. They say that an unborn person is not a person. All you have to, it's very easy to distinguish, it's very easy to distinguish the spirit of the world. Who is antithetical to freedom? Who wants you muzzled? Is that, where in the Bible does it ever say muzzle someone? No, the Bible's not that specific. Yes, it is. If God wanted you muzzled, he put it in the Bible. There will come a time when there will be such a virulent disease that you will need to muzzle yourself. Because my power, my, my Holy Ghost is not strong enough to drive that bad boy out. At that time, disregard binding and loosing, put a mask on and put an experimental mRNA jab into your veins. You're like, life is not that simple, Tom. Yes, it is. It is that simple. My yes is yes, and my no is no. It's not a Bible verse, I don't want it. So if you follow the lies, you follow the, the death, and you follow anything antithetical to freedom, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, people are like, that's politics. How is that politics when I just read to you Galatians chapter five, verse one? How, how, is, how, is that, how is that politics? You think freedom was the, was, was the creation of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence? Freedom was a creation of the Almighty God who could force anybody to follow him by plopping himself down right in the middle of the sanctuary. But he doesn't do it, he wants you to choose him out of freedom. So who comes after your freedom? Antichrist spirit. Who causes death? Antichrist spirit. Everything's death. Who, ca who causes, who causes the, the, the actions or the policies or the legislation to take away your freedoms? CBDC currencies, social credit systems, or somebody else has their hand at your financial spigot? Well, you know, we really didn't, hey, we noticed that you went to to uh, Bass Pro Shops, and you know that's not bath, bath, you know Bed Bath and Beyond. So you know what? There's guns in there. We're gonna we're gonna minimize your account. We're gonna we're gonna shadow ban your account. We're gonna limit your reach. Who does it? Who takes away your ability to speak? This church is banned for life off of YouTube. That's easy to recognize. I mean, for me, it's just very it's very simple. I don't struggle with benign things. I go, well, there, there, there's the Antichrist right there. Very simple. Who, who, closing down churches? That, that's done in the name of Jesus? All the Christians did it in the name of Jesus. They're doing Satan's work in Jesus' name. And by the way, that's most churches now do a lot of Satanist things in Jesus' name. Accommodation, acceptance. We're all going to play pretend. Let's, you know what? Let's all pretend that a man's a woman and a woman's a man. Let's all pretend that a 99.9% .9 survival virus isn't. Let's all pretend. This is great, isn't it? We're going to all act like we get to save lives. We're not saving anything. 
you, you're welcome. See how quiet it got. See this young couple gets like, You know what? Why? The reason why that is is because it just blew up their whole facade of themselves. They're like, you know, we're solid. No, you're not solid. You're not solid because the measure of being silent, I mean solid, is, is your understanding and your application of the word. Not your false love narrative. So by the way, you go into these false love narrative churches, they're the nastiest people on the planet. They're very nice to your face. They're nasty in every other area of life because they make sure that they send you the appropriate thank you and hey, we saw you today, but they're jerks other than that. Aaron says, you're right. Yeah, he knows. He's been in other churches. But most Christians can't distinguish between two because they have malformed faith. Listen to this verse. How do you know? Ephesians chapter two, verse two. Wherein, in the in time past, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That works in the children of disobedience. 2 Corinthians 2.11. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now we're warned here, lest Satan should take advantage of us. We have a distinguishable prince of the power of the air. The spirit of the world. Right? You should know it. Right now. From whom much is given, much is demanded. You should have that discernment. You should know it. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they're foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 2.14, written to the born-again Christians at Corinth, calling them natural men who could not distinguish between the Spirit of God and the Spirit of the Antichrist. You're going to need to know and then take action. Sometimes that action is simply saying, you know what? No. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. And the word resist in the Hebrew and in the Greek means actually fight against. Actively fight against. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You need to do that. It's not, listen, going along is not loving. I've seen this many times with a, a Abusive marital relationships, and I'm not talking about physical abuse. Physical abuse, I'm fine with you having the iron bracelets clamped on you. I'm talking about mental abuse. And, the, and one spouse or the other just sits there and takes it, and I'm talking about Christians, they sit there and take it because they believe it's loving to be benign, to be passive. No, it's not. Was Je if Jesus wasn't benign or passive, then how is it Christ-like to be benign and passive? If your wife or your husband is a nasty jerk to you, look him in the eye and say, you're a nasty jerk. Jesus would. When did he not? Name it. Come on. When did he not speak to the Pharisees? Basically calling them nasty jerks to their face. When? He always did. He always addressed them. He never let it go. 
He said what needed to be said. If you are in a marital relationship, if you're in a marital relationship and your husband or your wife is a jerk to you all the time, you just say it to them. Say it to their face. I'm gonna welcome back the couple that I thought left. <laughs> Love you. Glad you're back. Everything I said about you, I take it back. <laughs> it's because I'm so bruised and offended and hurt. <laughs> Love you, I'm glad you're back. <laughs> so you guys, are, you, guys, you guys think that I'm afraid to eat my own poop? I'll eat it. <laughs> they proved me wrong. I like, listen, if you talk about it all the time, you almost have to address it. <laughs> but I love you, forgive me. When you watch it a while back, you'll see it on video. Let me talk about it. I was wrong, I apologize. That's how it works. You guys, see how that works? The, the, no, no other ministry on the planet outside of the ones that I follow ever actually say you're wrong. If you're wrong, you're wrong. If you, if you closed and you masked, you were wrong. Stop acting like you didn't and say you were wrong. It's like when I said that Derek Chauvin killed George Floyd. I said it three times. I was wrong. That's what you do. Simple as that. Everybody knows. They walk back in there. I love you guys. I don't mean to focus on you, but it's, just, it's fine. Hope you're all right with it. But everyone walked back in. I'm looking at everybody's faces. What's he going to say now? I was wrong. There you go. I was wrong. I was wrong and they were right, doodah. That's just life. If you're, if, listen, if you're like me and you, you talk too much, you better learn how to say you were wrong. Learn it. Do you actually say it to your wife or your husband ever? Or are you just, well, you know, we just, we, we've moved on. She hasn't because you were the jerk. There's things that need to be said. It's not loving to not, know. listen, it sounds antithetical to what I preach, let your words be few. Yeah, you let your words be few on the whole, but there are times where you need to say something. It's not loving to let your husband be a jerk. Or your wife. If your wife is nagging you, then start memorizing Proverbs chapter 21. It is better to live in a wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. <laughs> it is better to live on the corner of a housetop. <laughs> than with an angry and a brawling woman. Yeah. Sorry, ladies, that's written about you. Husbands have a tendency to disappear, which is no better than nagging, but that's yours. If you're living with a nag, tell her. Stop nagging me, woman. If not, you're, you're, you're a gelding if you don't. I don't live in nagging. Tell him. You're like, do you really live like this? Yeah, ask my wife. I can't get to her before you do. Ask her. I really do live like this. I really do a lot of apologizing. 
Sorry, but I just want to tell you, I'm really sorry about that. I'm, I try to get better, and I think I've gotten better, right, over the years. I've gotten way better. Yeah. There's any, there there any more holes in the web, many holes in the walls for at least a decade plus, right? Yeah. Decade plus? Yeah. We got big Tommy scars all over the house. That's a tough deal, too, because you have to find somebody to fix them. You know what I'm saying? Did you fix them? Did you fix them? I thought your dad fixed at least one of them. He fixed the door, I think. You fixed the door? Okay. This was years ago. I don't know if it was pre-foundation church, but it was early on, early on. Yeah, early on. Yeah. Thank you. A couple devices. Four, maybe, something like that. Whatever. That you go up and you apologize. Amen? Amen. We have not received, talking about distinguishing between the spirit of the world and the spirit of God. You need to be able to distinguish between the two. Which one is it that's speaking to me right now? That smells like sulfur. It's telling me to don a mask. It's telling me to sign up for currency that somebody else controls. Whatever it is, it's taking away my ability to speak. And you are to stand against it unequivocally, now. That's faith. You can quote the verses, I can quote them. You're like, well, well Tom, you're a pa- I'm a pastor? What, is, what, is that, what does that mean? Okay, nothing. I, I know who it is, loved one. You're awesome. I know who you are. I know who it is. I love that lady. Shake, wave your hands so everybody knows. I love that lady. I'm glad she came because now I finally have a second black friend. I only have one. That's Francelle. You know, all the white people always claim they have black friends. I'm like, where? I've got plenty of black friends. I've never seen, I've known you for 20 years. I've never seen you with one black person ever. My, my ability to know the word is no different than yours. It's just a matter of who puts in the effort and who doesn't. You should be able to distinguish using the word of God and you're like, well, I just don't know right now. Well, how much more time are you going to waste? You're going to blow past another Sunday? You're already 50. You're already 40. You're already 30. You're already 20. Whatever it may be, how many Bible verses? You should know at least as many as years you are. You can't memorize one verse in 365 days per year? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? You can't, you can't memorize that verse in one year? That's why Christians can't distinguish between the, the Antichrist spirit and the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, verse 13, only speaks the word. So they don't know the difference between the two because they don't know the word. If you knew the word, you know it's the Holy Ghost talking to you. Because he only speaks those things which he's heard. You know that's the Holy Ghost. That's the Antichrist spirit. 
Show them how loving you are by locking your church down and doing Zoom services. You should know. That's not the word, that's not the word of God. Therefore, it is not the voice of the Spirit. To not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. It's answerable right there. Put a mask on your face. No, whatever I bind is bound. Whatever I loose is loose. I don't need to put a mask on my face. I'm good. I don't take, this so everybody knows, I don't take any vaccines. I'm sure that I got vaxxed when I was a kid. I, me- I remember standing in line for the, the gun, remember that in school, for those of you that are 40 or above? You, you stand in lines all the way down the cafeteria and there's some nurse sitting up here and you walk by and they shot you in the arm with that thing. That thing hurt too. Oh, it gets painless. Yeah, bull crap, it's painless. That thing hurt. But you should be able to distinguish between the two. I, I don't, I don't, I've never been even tempted to get a flu shot. Ever. Why? Why? Is that faith? Well, you know, we mix in faith and we pray to doctors to do that. Listen, I love doctors and I love nurses. I'm serious. You know, I'm just quoting Andrew Walmack here, but without all the doctors and the nurses, all the Christians would be dead. Because nobody learns to stand in faith. Everyone just leans on the, I love that. I mean, I seriously do. Doctors and nurses have saved both of my kids in different ways. Not necessarily their lives, Norma, for sure, but from grievous injury, for sure, with Tommy. I love them, seriously. But all I did was, I just blame, now, when I say I blame myself, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna equivocate. I literally blame myself. You're like, you can't do that, Tom. That's not the Bible. Don't tell me not to do what the Bible tells me to do. I, I don't sit there and blame myself and go home and get into the fetal position. I hate me. I hate me. Oh, give me another bag of M&M's. I hate me. What's my favorite chocolate milk? What do you call it? What's that? What's that? Promised Land? It's a Promised Land chocolate milk. Shot no chaser. I don't do that, but I just go, you know what? Why did this happen? Why do I need doctors and nurses? Jesus didn't, and I'm a Christian. So I need to be getting to the place where I don't. You know, a lot of people, they just, again, they don't apply faith. They call themselves by a medical label. Well, I'm this, and you know, and I'm that, and you know, we've always had this, and we've always had that. Our family is always, why are you saying these things? And heaping burning coals on your own head. Stop saying it. We've always struggled with addiction in our family. No, everyone's just struggled with just being antithetical to faith. That's why you struggle with addiction. You struggle with addiction because you're trying to fill a void. We're all a bunch of void fillers in here. Every last one of us are trying to, to fill voids. You don't need to fill anymore. The reason, the reason why you have a void is you don't pray like you should. You don't study like you should. You don't worship like you should. And a lot of times you don't go to church like you should. So there's giant voids. There never needs to be another void again. No person's gonna fill it. 
can have all the babies you want. Nothing's going to fill it. The job's not going to fill it. The wife's not going to fill it. The husband's not going to fill it. Nobody can fill it. You're not designed for it that way. Again, I've used this before, but if you enter a Formula One race with cars that go 250 miles an hour with a tractor, that's malformed faith. You're not, you're not designed that way. There's only one way for you to be happy. One way, and it's not getting the RV and it's not retiring. How many retired people in here shout amen? That fulfill all your dreams? You notice how not one soul said, yes, Pastor Tom, it did. The moment, time that, the moment that, I, that I retired, my life became complete. I retired from the, when I retired from the sheriff's office, I thought I'd be happier. I wasn't. Because I was doing both a sheriff's office and I was in church for 13 years, the 13-year overlap. And there was years in, in the midst of that where I never had a single day off for two years. Two straight years, not one day off. It worked all the time because that was when the recession hit. So I was working every single detail I could get and making as much money as I could make. But when I, so I thought, you know what, I'm gonna retire and there's you know, some peace will come in my life. Nothing, got worse. <laughs> it's got worse. Why did it get worse? Because I was living in malformed faith. I thought the answer was for me to no longer answer police calls. I'm not gonna be answering police calls anymore. I'm gonna be happy. It didn't work. It's malformed. It's not the, that's not the faith answer. What was the faith answer? You know what? Here's the faith answer. answer. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Was I seeking him first? So the retirement didn't work. It's not gonna work for you too. You can keep trying. You know, well, we've, we've, you know, we've scheduled a vacation to, uh, you know, to the Bahamas. What's that thing called, that handles or sandals? <laughs> what? <laughs> Thank you. You tell how often I take a Bahamian vacation. Love handles, sandals, whatever. <laughs> That's going to be it once we get there. No, you'll be miserable there. If you're miserable here, you're going to be miserable there. Doesn't change anything because that's not the answer. The answer for you is to apply faith. Why, why are you a miserable human being? You're like, Tom, you're looking down. No, no, I've spent most of my life a miserable human being. You don't come up to a pulpit like this and claim that you're 54 years old and say that you wasted 51 years and not be miserable. Not saying I was never happy or anything like that, but I spent a lot of time in misery. Why? The answer was never to change something that had anything to do with the world, any possession, any vacation, any person. It had to do with the Holy Ghost. How big is he in my life? Me becoming less and him becoming more. It's so antithetical to everything that you hear. Fill it with this, fill it with that. Every commercial is about some sort of medication or depression medication, whatever it may be. Doesn't work. Aaron and I have talked about it on the podcast. All the kids that they want to lop off their penises, their testicles, and their breasts, their, their suicide rate goes up after they do it, not down. They're suicidal before they lop everything off. Then they lop everything off, sew their breasts back up, and then kill themselves. 
but make sure that the medical industrial complex and the pharmaceutical complex, they get your million dollars first because that's how much each one of those surgeries costs. Because the love of money is the root of all evil. I got mine. You're dead now. Everything's lopped off, but you're still dead. That's what you, by the way, what I just said is faith. That's what they need to know. You're a boy. You're gonna be, always be a boy. You don't have ovaries. You can lop off whatever you want in there, you still got all that man junk in there. Ain't no ovaries in there. You can invert your penis all you want. It's not gonna produce a child. Like what kind of church is this? It's the truth. It's not, a, it's not loving to avoid it. It's not loving to avoid the truth. Yes, I say inverted penises. Everybody knows that every man in here has a penis. Why not say it? That's how you tell what you are. If you need to excuse yourself, we have bathrooms over here. And this week, this week, we have bathrooms back here. It's not full of water like it was last week. You can go in there right now, get into a stall before you yank your pants down. You can yank your pants down and you can check what you are. <laughs> Answered. And it's really just a biblical thing. It's, it's Genesis chapter one, verse 27. Genesis chapter two, verse seven. God created two sexes. It's over. Someone came in, you come in for you know, counseling with me. Hey, you know, Tom, I'm just struggling with gender dysphoria. You know what? Your problem's solved. Go excuse yourself to the bathroom. Go hike your pants down. And whatever you see is what you are. <laughs> Counseling session over, and you're welcome. You are welcome. The spirit of the world will lie to you. They love to pretend. Let's all play pretend. We're all gonna play pretend. We're all gonna pretend that climate change is an existential threat to our lives. We're all gonna pretend. Oh, really? Did Aunt Susie die of climate change last year? Let's, let's all name it. Now, we can name people who di died in disasters because people die of disasters every year. Just like 30 to 80,000 Americans die per year of the flu. Which, if you actually look at the CDC website, that's how many people died of COVID. Not presumed COVID, not with COVID, died of COVID. As usual, 30 to 80,000 per year. That's a lot of people dying of the flu every year, right? But how many, how many people, you know what, man, here's, here's the CDC numbers on people who dropped dead because the climate changed. <laughs> Walked out, it's 80 degrees yesterday, 84 degrees today, so I just dropped dead. Oh man, you know what I noticed here in Florida, we're always begging for October. You know, October's when we get that shot at the 60s again. You know, wow, it went out there, it was a little barometric pressure change and I just dropped dead. Because the climate changed as it does four times a year. You're like, politics, politics, no, I'm what are they using climate change to do? to control you. Nobody's dropping dead of climate change. And whenever, you, all you need to do is beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves, you shall know them by their fruits, right? Matthew 7, 15 and 16, Bible, 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 Bible. So what's a false prophecy? 
Well, we were supposed to have an ice age starting in the 70s. That didn't work. And then global, they clicked into global warming in the 80s. That didn't work. And that went into the 90s. And then none of the, everything was cooling. After they shifted off and they said that everything was cooling, it got warmer. And then when it got warmer, everything went cooler. So if you're like a Jehovah's Witness from the, from the Watchtower Society and you have to constantly change your prophecies, your faith is incorrect. That's how you know the spirit of the world. False prophets are spirits of the world. They're liars. Born of their father, the devil, who is a, li- a murderer from the beginning, whose native language is lying. When he, speak, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Matthew 8, 44 and 45. He's a liar. That's how you know. It's not, it's not difficult at all to know. So what are you, what's the answer to it all? 1 Corinthians 2, 12. We have not, I'll close with this. Worship team, you guys can start to migrate this way. Wow, it's 12, 15. You guys are really good. You're really good listeners. <laughs> really are. What's the answer? Maybe some, maybe some in this room, you struggle. Is this the spirit of the world? The prince of the power of the air, or is this the Holy Ghost? 1 Corinthians 2.12. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. There you go. Now, here's the thing. What do you do now? What do you do? You're going to have to ask the Holy Ghost then. Now, for some of you, you're used to that. Some of you, it makes you nervous. Why? It's the Holy Ghost. Why does that make you? I'm not, I'm, I'm saying, here, I'll, I'll put you at ease. I'm not saying invite me to live with you. <laughs> I'm a person. I eat a lot. I'm not asking you, I talk a lot. I'm not asking you to have me move in. I'm talking about God. Why would you hesitate while I was raised Baptist? That's, okay, listen. Baptist isn't in here. And by the way, it's always funny how people identify themselves. Because John will baptize you with water, but Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and you call yourself John the Baptist. Baptist. So antithetical to the ministry of Jesus. Weird, isn't it? It's like you've heard me say a dozen times before. The world will identify themselves. The most popular street in New York City is Broadway. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. So the world names a street after it. Might as well just call it Satan Avenue. <laughs> Beelzebub Boulevard. <laughs> just name yourself. Ask the Holy Ghost in. What is there to fear? Well, he may knock me to the ground. Welcome to the club. Do the glory crawl. Well, I, you know, I don't see anywhere in Scripture that God knocked people to the ground. You don't read the Bible then. God knocked, cast people to the ground all the time. What are you afraid of? If you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, you need to ask him. If, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who... Ask him. Yes. Ask him in. Ask all you got to do. 
yeah, but I don't want to speak in tongues. That's not a Bible verse. But Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. For if I pray in an un, un, unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Paul spoke in tongues all the time. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. You don't want that? It's very difficult to distinguish the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of the world if the Holy Spirit is unwelcome in your life. And I don't, I don't mean that you're not saved. I mean, there's a big difference between touching water and being immersed in water. My dog, oh gosh, she always talks about his dino. I told you, it's who I spend all my time with. My wife tells me that our relationship has gone too far. I think it's, I think it's just normal. Aaron says it's normal. My, my daughter's back here going, no, it's not. It's not normal. We're very close, my dog and I. But when he goes in the pool, he doesn't go there and just sit there. He jumps in. I mean, you know Malamos. I mean, he can jump way, he can jump across the entire length of the pool. Just jump. That's what you need to do. It's God. You're not jumping into me. You're not jumping into Foundation Church. You're jumping into God. Hopefully, Foundation Church is a representation of the Holy Ghost, a venue of the Holy Ghost. But I'm not asking you to join this. We don't even take memberships. You're like, Tom, that's a great moneymaker to take memberships. I don't care about memberships. You're looking at the most unreligious person you'll ever run into. Right here. I'm not religious. I am obedient. Obedient and religion are two different things. Obedience is love for God, 1 John 5, 3. So I'm, I'm inviting you today to ask the Holy Ghost into your life. But not just ask him into your life, baptize you in the Holy Ghost. Before we do that, every head bowed, every eye closed. Praise you, Lord. 1220, we'll be out of here by 1230. Everybody good? So if you're good, concentrate on God. Scoot your butt cheeks around, get loose. You got 10 minutes to go. That's it. You're done. Be in church for two hours and 25 minutes. That's it. So take this 10 minutes and make it count. If you're in this place and you've never been born again, Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What does born again mean? It means that your sins are forgiven and that you've turned your life over to God in repentance. That's all that it means. You don't have to be a member of Foundation Church. You don't have to attend this church. I want you to. There's not very many solid churches. As a matter of fact, in all of this county, there is none. I'm telling you. All closed, all masked, all social distance, all formed COVID clumps. They're not solid. But it's not about this church, it's about you and God. Have you ever received his forgiveness? Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. For those of you that have fallen away, people don't address this in church because it's not popular and it won't fill seats. The word is the word, and you are to preach the word instantly, in season and out of season, popular or not. You preach the word, 2 Timothy 4.2. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. 
but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. That's Paul writing to the church at Jerusalem in Hebrews chapter 10, 26 and 27. Is that you? It's been me. I'm not looking. I have deliberately kept on sinning. As a Christian, I've done it. I'm not looking down on you. Nobody's going to know but me, you, and God. I'm your witness this morning. But if you need to get saved for the first time, or you need to recommit your life, now is your time. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come to the front. I'm not going to have you go to a back room. I'm going to ask you to do two things. Basically, simply between you and I. Well, Tom, you're going to know then that I'm not solid. I probably already know. It's totally anonymous, really. But if you need to get your life right with God, you fit into one of those two categories. Now is your time. Right where you are at. Here's the first thing I'm going to ask you to do. Right where you're at, stretch your hand up. Right where you're at. If you need to get life, your life right with God this morning or this afternoon. I got you. Got you to my left. Cruising over here to my right. Got you center left. Got you center right. Got you to my right. You can put your hands down. Those of you that lifted your hands, I'm going to ask you to do one other thing, and that's it. And the whole church is going to do it with you. So the, the hard part is already over. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. Pray it directly to God. It's a prayer of salvation, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of being born again. Pray this prayer out loud. The entire church is going to pray it with you. Here we go. Everybody together, pray this out loud. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins, and I now turn from them. And I give you my life from this day on. In Jesus' mighty name, church shouts. Simple, amen. Praise you, Lord.